0: Hello Romantics! I'm Sarah Gomez, author, romance lover, and host. You're listening to Romancing the Story, a podcast centered around writing, reading, and story structure, all with a twist of romance. We are at episode 65, and on today's episode, I speak with C.A. Zarek about her informal way of building an interconnected series. Having no hard and fast rules of writing, with the exception of the basics authors should note, and how she spent over a decade writing her Highland series with no signs of stopping. She just released her latest novel in her Highland Treasures series, Highland Skies. And while it is interconnected in the world, Chrissy makes a point to mention readers can enjoy any book in the series as standalone and how she tries to build interest in the other books by leaving breadcrumbs for readers. We chatted about how she gets reacquainted with her fantasy books after a period of time away from writing in the world, and how the overall pantsing method of writing her books works best for her, which is actually a big reason why I created the podcast. As a writer, I don't know all the answers for the best writing hacks, but I know everyone has their own method and style of writing and creating a podcast of interconnected episodes where every author has their own method and expertise on display can help others discover what works best on their journey. See what I did there? (laughs) Links to connect to CA Zarek, find her books, as well as other media mentioned will be listed in the episode description. If you're in the mood for more Highlander trope goodness, be sure to check out Chrissy's other episode. We discussed the Highlander time travel trope back on episode 35, and it is a great companion episode as we talk about the same series, and we dive more into the details of what the time travel trope actually took for writing. I have dropped the link in the episode description for your enjoyment. With that said, let's jump right in.
1: Welcome, USA Today best-selling author, CA Zarek. Yay! Hi. Hi, thanks for having me today. My voice isn't working, but I promise I'm here. <laughs> you know, there's a
0: lot of crud going around. My kid caught the stomach bug a couple of weeks ago. And then now we heard their strep throat going around in the school. So like it's and everybody's getting sick. So this is from
1: traveling. So this is from coming going to California when I got home. I'm pretty sure I picked up something on the plane.
0: I'm not looking forward to that. See, I have to go. I have to jump on a plane next week to go to Minnesota to go to the to the mothership. Ew, um, it's
1: cold. It's like wintertime in Minnesota. I Ew. Know.
0: But someone said <laughs> the colors are still pretty up there. So that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping to at least catch the pretty like colors. Autumn, since
1: we don't have that here in Texas, right? Exactly.
0: Exactly. Yeah, before I just get hit with snow, <laughs> nothing but snow and cold. So, um, so I'm hoping to catch, and I'm only up there for a day and I'm out. Well,
1: so you probably won't even see much. You'll be inside or whatever. I've never been, I've actually never been to Minnesota. So I've been to Colorado. I've been to Denver. That's pretty much as far north as I've gone that direction.
0: <laughs> oh, girl! Well, they they tripped me out because the the ladies, the sweet little you know Midwestern ladies, were talking about. You know, we like to go up to the uh, past the border to go shopping, and I was just like, "What kind of shopping are you doing?" Because I was thinking, South, not North.
1: <laughs> they go to Canada.
0: They were going to Canada to yeah. shop, and then I thought they were going to miss. You know Mexico, and I'm like, what, what kind of shopping Wrong you border. doing? <laughs> with Rock Border? <laughs> I know, so like that's what you get when you go from south to the north. When my brain resets, um, right?
1: Because we live in Texas. When you think border, that's the
0: first thing that pops in your head. That's the first thing I think is- of. You have been on the podcast. This is your third time, right? Oh, We're really? Lucky. Cool. Number three. Yes, you are just. You're one of like our favorite guests around here on the podcast and-
1: uh, Gotta be somebody's favorite, right?
0: Even though we've been, you know, we've talked about like several of your series in the past in case listeners don't know, can you tell them a little bit about yourself and your writing?
1: I write under my initials, C.A. Zarek. It's not a big secret. My name is Chrissy. People can call me Chrissy. It's pretty good. Um, No, I write different things. I write romantic suspense, um, Scottish Highlander, time travels, as well as historical fantasy, and then uh, epic fantasy romance. Um, So the book that I have coming out is in my um, Highlander series and it's not a time travel but it's a part of the series it is just historical fantasy because both of the characters are fae they're they're not like serious they're they're light and sexy I would say but they're fun they take place in the 17th century Scotland and I have humans and I write about the McLeods and the McDonald's and sometimes I have a fae character or two <laughs> no I was gonna say because you need boys with wings right I mean you know oh, why
0: not of course I mean, of course <laughs> Well, and you know what, the thing I appreciate a lot about your fantasy series is like you say light and that's kind of sometimes how I, I tend to gravitate now towards my fantasy because I, you know, my reading time is kind of limited. So mm-hmm. I do it in spurts. So yeah. I'm like, I don't have time to like invest like an hour or two into like just reading a book. So like, I only have like little pieces of time. So I want something I can really get fast. So when you say fantasy, it's not like a 600 page. Yeah, like huge, thick book, you know.
1: Well, and and I, I you know, being I'm I'm a, a Scotophile, so I love everything Scotland. And at that time in Scotland, it, there was a lot going on uh, politically, mm-hmm. you know. And I didn't really want to. I wanted to focus on because I'm fascinated that the fact is that they still lived in clans in the far north, even though the rest of the world was becoming kind of civilized, for lack of a better word. And so it's just it just really fascinates me. So I write about the McLeod's and the McDonalds on the Isle of Skye. Um, so there is accurate history stuff in there too. But there's also that um, I really didn't want to deal with uh, what King hated somebody in there's wars and battles. I wanted to keep it on the lighter side. Like we're a family. We love each other. um, We laugh, we have fun. And of course, time travel and sexy boys, right? And kilts. Even though technically that's a little bit too early for kilts, they called it a plaid, but you know, Mm. who cares?
0: It's like, yes, we're aware. But we are suspending our deli- belief for this one, right. okay? <laughs> if, yeah. if, if we have wings, then we can we can accept the kilts,
1: okay? <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. So. And they kind of wore them at that time, but it was more popular about fifty years after my story is take place. Um, cause I actually believe I'm in 1701 in this story. So I've crossed out because I started the series in 1672 and now I'm writing about their kids. So I think I'm, it's either 1699 or 1700. So it's like, I have to wait for the kid to grow up naturally. So, um, but yeah, like it's, it's fun though. They're not like, they're not super serious. It's not, um, there's not like wars and battles, you know, cause I didn't want to focus on that. Well, there is wars and battles on the face side of the things, but you know, it's not it's not like serious political stuff that isn't a lot of Scottish books, which I appreciate. But that's just not me.
0: No, and as a reader, like I said, sometimes I just you know I want a light fantasy romance, you know, mm-hmm. but I just don't want you know I, I don't have the time. Like I said, I yeah. I love good digging into those, you know fantasy books but sometimes i just i have to keep it on the lighter side so they
1: tend to be a little longer you know yeah
0: and i can digest it really easily that's kind of what i love about your books too is that they're very accessible and they're i can digest them really easily in like little small um spurts and also i can like there's all these interconnected worlds right like i get like little breadcrumbs from each other
1: yes that's a lot of fun when they all know each other right and that's kind of what i wanted to talk
0: to you about today because (laughs) You just released Highland Skies, book three of the Highland Treasure series. It's beautiful. Yeah, I re- yeah
1: um, I'm really in love with this cover, actually. Um, it turned out very well. My cover artist and I had to go back and forth a little bit on the wings. I mm-hmm. had to have a couple tries, but we got it. I don't know if you can see it. And that's a friend of mine on the cover. He's also an author. His name is Stevie Collier, and he writes fantasy. So everybody should check him out.
0: <laughs> hey, there you go. So if you like fantasy and you're already... Hanging out with us on the podcast. Go check
1: him out too. Yeah, First time I met him, I'm like, I need to put you on a cover because it's hard to find guys with long hair. It really is like models with long hair. And he was like, name the date and time. And so we did it. It was a lot of fun. I, I love that. You kind of like, that's a fun little backstory
0: to go along with a cover. Who would have known? Now, I know the last time we spoke, we chatted about uh, writing Highland time travel tropes
1: mm-hmm. on the podcast.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, something mentioned in that episode was the Highland Treasure Series that is a spin-off.
1: Yeah, that's this current series yes. Mm-hmm. This current
0: series, yes, is a mm-hmm. spin-off from the previous series that you wrote called yes. Highland Secrets. Now how many books are in your interconnected series and how long have you been writing the series?
1: Um, I actually, so funny story, the very first book, um, it's called uh, The Tartan MP3 Player. It it is Claire and Duncan's story. And uh, also another funny uh, tangent, I never heard of Outlander at the time I wrote these books, or I probably would not have named her Claire. Oops. But you know, it wasn't, it was not like an ode to Outlander or anything. I just up this story and the girl's name was Claire. And then someone was like, oh, like Outlander. And I'm like, How, what's Outlander? I'd never heard of it. So yay. But then I discovered it. And of course I love it. But um, so I started this series, I want to say uh, in 2013. So 10 years now. So Liam, who, who is the hero in the latest one, it's the 10th book. It was supposed to be a Highlander pirate story. And it was supposed to be 15,000 words. And I was writing it for an anthology. And then I was like, 10,000 words in and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm totally not wrapping this thing up in, in 5,000 words. Um, so it just was born and it just spoke to me. And I don't know what, I don't know. I'm not really sure why it came on so strong, but it was my first attempt at a time travel. She wakes up running on the beach and then I kind of guess I was off to the races. So I wrote uh Duncan story. And then in the the driving force or action in that story is Duncan's twin brother who is the Laird. His name is Alex. He's already married and already has a child, but the Fae kidnap him. Spoiler alert. So I never intended to write Alex and Alana's book because they were already, they already had their story. And then, uh, so I wrote three of them. I wrote Janet is Duncan's sister and she ends up with a Fae gentleman named uh, Xander who's actually Liam. That's, they are Liam's parents. And then the third one is, uh, Claire's sister story, Claire's jewels. She comes back in time to try to find her and ends up falling in love with because, you know, Highlanders are so irresistible. So then uh, Alex and Alana were like, and I'm like, no, shut up and sit down. You guys are married. You got a kid. You love each other. Bye. Have a nice life. And then they kept saying, it's our turn. And I'm like, no, you guys, you're already married. No one cares. So, But they kept bothering me and their story Ended up being, I was going to write. So I'm like, okay, fine, fine, fine. I will give you guys a 20,000 word novella. It's a prequel. It's supposed to be short and sweet, right? Well, that is not how the world works because of the women that I build in my stories. I build really strong females who don't take any crap. And... When I sat down to write it, I didn't realize that the, their, their, their book was, their story spans 10 years and it was really intricate and it had some political intrigue. I know I just said, I don't to write about that, but it was fae, not human, political intrigue. And her dad is a king. She's a princess. She's like legitimately a fairy princess. And it ended up being 83,000 words. And I'm like, oh my God, you guys, um, because the other books are like half of that. You know, that they are novellas. And then, you know, as I kept writing the series, like all of them are, you know, they're all happy. Everyone loves each other, whatever, and they're having babies. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I gotta write about their babies. And Angus is my I guess I really love Angus. Um, Angus is is the oldest child of Alana and Alex. And he is in like every single book in some way, shape, and form. So I have him when he before he's born, then when he is born, and then I wrote this this one-off that's called uh, Highlander's Portrait. It's 85 years later. And I wrote it as a part of a continuing, what are those things called? Continuities. It is a story about a romance author, actually, that goes back in time. So that was fun. Um, But Angus is in that book too, as a grandfather. So I guess I just really love Angus. And I didn't realize how much I loved him until I sat down to write his book. And he is the first of Highland Treasures. It's called Highland Oath. It is a time travel. His woman's a surgeon. She comes back in time. I don't know. You know, sometimes you don't realize how much you just love. But I love these characters and this family. And they, they all of my books, all of my books, and all of my series—they're all standalone within their series. You could walk in at any point. But of course, you're, they all know each other. So they're gonna—you'll get a little bit of spoiler alerts. Out of all the things I've ever attempted to write, because my heart is fantasy, um, that's where I started with epic fantasy. These ones just really come easily to me for the most part. I don't have to think I just sit down and write and they take place in Scotland. And I've always been fascinated with Scotland. And so it's like really tall boys, strong women. All my women are like snarky, even the historical ones are sarcastic. I wonder where they where. I wonder where that came from. Um, but uh, you know, it's just, they're just really fun books and I'm really enjoying um, writing about them. I don't know how many um, books I'm going to write because Duncan and Claire have three sons. The net, I do have a cover. It's a secret cover, and I have a. Uh, it was a pre-made that I just saw online, and I'm like, oh my god, that's Brenna. Brenna is the daughter of uh, Hugh and Jules, who are actually McDonalds, not McLeod's. Um, So I know Brenna will have a book. So I probably have uh, four more of these. What happens to me is I write these secondary characters, and they're pretty strong, and they go, hey, I want, I want a book, and then I'm like, no, it's not your turn. Go sit down, and I never win.
0: Well, and so, like, when did it start? When did it, like, you start writing the Tartan MP3 player?
1: Uh, Like, 2013.
0: 2000. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought.
1: Yeah, I might have started writing it in 13. But 2014 was a great year for me, and I have not been able to repeat that. I wrote eight books and had seven releases. I've never um. done that before. Haven't done that since. But I, like, I, I wrote them so fast, the original trilogy, just because they came to me. You know, like, the, like they, they just, like, rolled. So right now, I'm writing in a, a different world. I'm working on a, a book four of my King's Rider series, and I haven't touched that world since to 2015, but um, hopefully people will be excited about it. So I've kind of switched gears, but I'm still staying with the fantasy. But the Highlander books, like I said, they come easily to me. So what usually happens, and I, I never want to write what I'm supposed to be writing, and something will come on, and and I'll get like a, a, like a scene will pop into my head, and I'll write it, and then go with it. So I have lots of books on my um, computer that are like in progress, let's <laughs> say.
0: Well, and yeah, of course, you're going to have like, so at least four more anticipate. With the Highlander treasure books, how do you balance the continuity and consistency of the series with the need to introduce new characters, settings, and conflicts in each book? Kind of like you said, they, you can jump in at any point, but they're all kind of interconnected.
1: I don't plot <laughs> or, or anything like that. I just kind of sit down and write. And so far, let me see, I've written like, I've uh, uh, Liam and Sienna's book is my 19th. Um, and so I've done it 19 times and also others, cause I have a couple like short stories out there and it just kind of works for me organically. I'm not going <laughs> to say it's easy. Writing is hard. Don't anyone, don't let anyone lie to you. Writing is hard. But I, I, I usually, when I sit down to start a book, I know who it's about and that they're going to end up together. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Um, like, like, for instance, let's let's talk about Brenna's book that's going to be next in the series. I know it's a time travel, and it's going to be a little different because the boy comes back in time instead of because the, the so it's different, right? It's different. I know that he's going to be a McLeod because I always do McLeod and McDonald because they are enemy. They were enemies for a really long time, and I think I know he's American. And the reason I do that a lot of times is because I write in the broke. So it's rather difficult to have two characters speaking to each other in the brogue. So usually I have uh, a reason that I don't have two characters speaking in the brogue. It's it's a little, it's easier to follow. Um, so she will speak in the brogue and he will be an American. I think that he is on a holiday in Scotland um, and maybe even to visit his ancestral home, which is Dunvegan, where my books take place. Um, and then somehow he gets sucked back in time. That's all I pretty much know. Oh, and I think his first name is Scott. I don't really know anything else other than that at this moment in time. And all of that came to me when I looked at the cover image. Hmm. So I do. I'm a weirdo. A lot of times I do covers first because they do inspire the story. You know, it's just it it just that's how my brain works. So I really so far it's worked out. (laughs) Hey, as long as it works, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. I'm not going to say it's not a struggle sometimes because I don't plot. I do get stuck. I'll write, And then, as you know, I I, I often have to brainstorm and um, I've learned I am an audible plotter. So mm-hmm. as long as I if I can talk it out, I can figure stuff out. And then I have my ride or dies that I go to and I'd be like, fix me because I have no idea what happens next. Um, so and I also don't write in order. So like I said, a scene will just uh, appear in my brain like a movie and I'll just write it out. And I uh, sometimes it doesn't end up at the beginning of the document, you know, like, again, I make my own life hard, but that's just how my brain works. I've tried to plot and it just doesn't work for me. If I plot a book out, I don't want to write it because it didn't form organically because I like finding things out as I go.
0: No, and that's, that's very fair. And I like that you mentioned like the audible piece too, because I don't think we think about that enough as authors. Like sometimes we, you know, we can jot things down or make like one of those brainstorming charts. Right. And I've tried that before, but I think you're right for me. I have to kind of either talk it out or talk it through with somebody. So it makes more sense in my brain.
1: Yeah, and it's always cooler in my head than it ends up on paper. <laughs> so you know, then you then then you go over it and you're like, oh yeah, no, I can fix that. But the way I lay scenes out, I usually do bare bones. I'll do the dialogue, and then I go back and layer in the setting, um, and any like setting, feelings, stuff like that. But I can usually see my characters pretty clearly in my head, but sometimes it's hard to translate what I'm seeing to paper, mm-hmm. even after all this time, because I've been published since 2013, and I've been writing pretty much my whole life. I do think that you grow, uh, even if you don't think you do. Uh, but, you know, it's like, it's some of that. For me, it has to be organic or I'm not interested. Some people really need to plot and they want everything out. Like, they'll, like I could tell you, like, when I sit down to write, I generally know what, what scene I need to accomplish or what needs to happen next in the story. Um, sometimes I don't, though. Sometimes I'll sit there and watch the cursor blink. Or I'll go back over what I wrote the previous time I wrote and then read it. And I'm, um, I'm an editor also. Um, so that has ruined everything for me <laughs> because <laughs> like that my that. brain tries to correct it. So I also am, am a weirdo. A lot of authors don't do this. But while I'm writing in the process with the book, I do heavy edits mm-hmm. because I think a part of me can't let it go until it's perfect. Um, of course, I still have an editor. I have a wonderful editor who edits like I edit. And it took me a long time to find her. It's, it's just one of those things where you you go, I read a chapter. Okay, that's pretty good. Well, first, I always start at, oh, that, that's crap. And no one's ever going to read it. And it's stupid. And then I'll go back and I'll be like, oh, okay, this isn't too bad. And I'll be like, okay, I can fix this. But I, I think that part of me has to make it as perfect as I can before I can move on. And then once I'm rocking and rolling, it's fine. Uh, But whenever I get stuck, I just go back to read what I wrote the last time I wrote. And I I also binge write. I don't write every day. Um, I do have to work full time, unfortunately. So I'll write like, I don't know, 10,000 words on a weekend and then maybe not touch it for a couple weeks and then go back. So a lot of the time I have to get reconnected with where I left off.
0: And you don't have like a file or anything that has like all that informational dump. Do you You just reread your books? Right. Right. I
1: like I. I do have a a series Bible for my um, Mm -hmm. epic fantasy that a friend of mine put together for me. That's Mm -hmm. helpful because like I said, right now, currently I'm writing in a world I haven't touched since 2015. So that's a long time to be disconnected from something, even though I kind of know where I'm going with the particular story I'm on. Um, and also I have my books in audio. So I, I legitimately listened to my audio books la- this week. I listened to book one, book two, and I started book three last night. So that's helping me reacquaint with the world that I'm writing in. But when you get away from it, like you get away from anything, you have to get reacquainted.
0: Right. No, that's what I've been doing. Like I've been trying to work on a project I haven't worked on in a long time for writing for NaNoWriMo. And I had to reread pieces of it because I was just like, I don't remember saying this, but I've already yeah. stated this before. So I, d- I don't right. need to, you know, retread old territory. So,
1: And you'll catch stuff like that even in edits. Like, okay, I said that this guy is his dad like 85 times. I don't need to keep saying that. People know. You know, stuff like that, that you just, you want your care. You want people, especially when you write series like I do, like you mentioned earlier, those cookies or Easter eggs, you want the. Like if somebody picks up Liam and Santa's book and they never read anything else in the series, they're going to know about my other characters because I mention them. You know what I mean? Like I mentioned Lexi is book two. I mentioned her. Um, I mentioned his parents, his aunts, his uncles, you know, all those other stories. So, you know, that they're his cousins, of course. Uh, Liam's book is where I is really where I finally I've mentioned them in previous books, but you actually get to see my other boys on page, which was a lot of fun. So it's 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 those things where you have to you don't want to say things too much, but you want your reader to know what's going on, basically, or Mm -hmm. who's who. Especially when you have a large cast of characters like I do, because my McLeods are pretty prol- prolific with babies. When I was thinking
0: of, like, you know, how you kind of build this interconnected series, was like, you tend to sprinkle it throughout. And that seems to work really well because I know, like, I helped produce your audiobooks and I know we had a large list you of did. characters. <laughs> so, yeah. And so we, you know, we talked about that and you create, I remember you created like this huge character sheet. And everything. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I always do that for audiobooks. My audio narrators love me. <laughs> because number 1, I want them the names to be said right. And number 2, you do need to know a little bit of background if you're going to read it, right? So mm-hmm. I I always do that. I do a I do a complete list of characters in order of appearance. And it takes me forever, but it's worth it because my uh, my audio narrators always praise me. They're like, "Oh my god, no one does this for me. Thank you." And then, uh, for instance, in my fantasy series, my first my my first baby my they're my first babies. Uh, my heroine's name is Sierra C E R A. I don't want people to call her Sarah. Hey. No,
0: it's not Sorry, a bad Sarah. name though.
1: <laughs> no, no, that's a good name, but that's not her name. You know what I mean? So uh-huh. that so when we went to do audio on that one, I put in parentheses for my narrator: sear like sear a steak, sear. <laughs> so she would be able to say it correctly. And then I have a character named Alyssa with an E and I didn't want people to call her Alyssa. I wanted her name to be pronounced Elissa. That's her name. Mm. So those are things for me that are like sticking points because nobody likes to be called the wrong name, right? Uh, my name is Chrissy. People call me Christy and it drives me freaking crazy. I did not say Christy. I said Chrissy. So those are those are just examples of peeves I have as, a, as an author and a person. And you want, especially when you're doing audio, you want to make sure... Like, whoever's listening to it has the right names, for one. Like, um, one of my favorite authors is uh, J.R. Ward. Love her, love her, love her. Her series, Black Dagger Brotherhood, she's got a character named Hex. It starts with an X. In several of the audiobooks, Jim Frangione reads them. But in many of the books, they call her the wrong name. They call her Zex. And it drives me crazy every time. And I'm like, why didn't anyone mention that her name is Hex? Like, when you get to her book her mm-hmm. book is number eight. So she appears in a lot of other books. So you have like at least six, maybe seven books where her name is incorrectly pronounced. And, and it's like, those those are examples are peeves for me as an author. So, or as a reader. So if I was if I definitely as an author, that was my number one is I want my character's names to be pronounced correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, because it matters. Nobody likes being called by the wrong name. And it drives me nuts. I, and I love that series. That's one of those series of my hearts where I will go back and read, and I'm an audiobook. um, that's how I get my books because I don't have time, like you said. Um, so um, that's how I do my books. and so it drives me absolutely batty every time I hear that. <laughs> I'm like, it's not her name.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, but, and you know. what? and creating the character sheet is really cool, too, because that's a great reference for like you later on. Because right. I know sometimes, like, uh, like you said, if you walk away from the world for a period of time, it's good to have like some kind of reference point, not just right. the book, but something else that you can use for your, uh, to make it a little easier when you do dive right. back into the world.
1: Yeah, because you don't want to get eye color and hair color wrong, for one. Or age. Or age, you know? yeah. Or change your mind. Like, because what I <laughs> I changed my mind on somebody's hair color. So when they were born, they had dark hair. And then um, now I'm thinking about their book and I'm like, oh, no, she's blonde. What am I going to do? So, you know, so you have to you have to that kind of thing, of course, with babies, you can kind of get away with it because things change. But, um, you know, that 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 is a thing that I just had to do. Like I said, the book I'm writing right now, I haven't touched the world since 2015. I did have to pull up the other book, book three and look somebody's eye color up because I couldn't remember. And that's new for me, even though I have so many books I don't usually forget those little details, but it's like a tertiary character and I can't remember.
0: So one thing I'm really curious about is how do you manage expectations of your Highland series uh, being, you know, considering there is an established fan base, you've been writing them for 10 years now. I would hope so. (laughs) And so do you ever feel pressure to meet like, like fans expectations and also satisfy their curiosity by say, like, like we were talking about leaving breadcrumbs or little cookies or Easter eggs?
1: It's a good point that you make, though, because some of the books are time travel and some of them aren't. So it it, it is an interesting intersect to try to make that make that work. Like, um, for instance, when I first like the first book is a time travel. The prequel is not right. Mm -hmm. Then the second book is not. But all those characters are already you already know who they are and that they're introduced. The third one is a time travel. Um, The fourth one is a time travel. Um, So it's just kind of like, how does that work? Um, in the world. And I think it works because the characters are already already established and you know who they are. Now, some people will be like, I will only read time travels. Well, then I kind of say, okay, cool, but you're going to miss out. You know, I can't, I can't help what people like and what people don't like. Right.
0: Well, and I feel like a concept, if it hooks me enough, like say, like you you said, your first uh, first book in the series is time travel. But if the characters hook me enough, I'll usually try to follow along. Like you said, J.R. Ward, like it really, she goes into this huge world building and like goes to different types of, you know, um, kind of supernatural beings besides just vampires. Right, like, that's sure wolves. Yes, there's a <laughs> whole like world, like a, a huge world beyond that. And yeah. that it, once you're invested in that, I, I feel like it's just a natural like a natural step. Yes, yeah. it's a natural progression. Perfect. Yeah, natural progression yeah. to go in that direction and follow where the author leads.
1: Right. Well, see, I think that with, uh, the reason it kind of it works in this in this series with Higher and Secrets speaking specifically is because with Duncan and Claire, you know, you know what Duncan's deal is. He wants to find his brother. Mm-hmm. No matter what. That's what his goal is in the book. So she comes back in time. He realizes that he's closer than he thought because he was trying to find the fairy stones, which is how people go to the other realm and back in time. And then so you meet uh you meet Janet who is his sister and then you meet you meet Xander who is the hero of book 2. So you already know who they are. Um and and so I think when you get to their book it's like oh okay so these two are going to end up together. And then the third book is you also know of Jules because that is that is Claire's sister. And that was her one regret. She loves Duncan. She's decided to stay back in time. Shocker, spoiler alert. But she missed, she's like, I'm never gonna see my sister again. My sister's the only person I have. It, you know, so her sister is a cop because I I, I there's that romantic suspense in me. Um, and um, because I also write romantic suspense. So her sister's like. I am not going to accept the fact that my sister is missing because her sister went on a trip to Scotland and got and was missing as far as she was concerned. So I think that when you, when you I, I had already laid the groundwork, I think, to, that there might be a character popping up. So in writing, I, authors have to remember that whenever we name someone, no matter what our intention is, readers will pick up on that. Oh, OK, well, this character has a name, so they might be important. Right. I'll remember that. I'll file that in the back of my brain. So it's kind of those those kind of things. So I feel like in my books, it's pretty freaking obvious if I name somebody there again, something's going to happen later, even when you keep reading the series. Like because Liam, who is my current hero, was born in book three. Janet and Xander are going to have a baby. So he's born. They name him, you know, and now it's his book. It's his turn um so it's just it's a for me it's a lot of fun to write about their kids because it's like then you get to see them as older characters too like like alex and um duncan are twins and they're in their 50s now in the timeline they're probably still really hot because you know (laughs) (laughs) but that's just yeah that's the fun thing about it is you get to see the growth of the characters too like Mm -hmm. like literally aging I like that too. Or in like with Angus, you meet him in the first book when he's eight years old and then he grows up and you get to read his story too. So that's, that's fun for me. I love that. I love writing about that. And then it also makes me introduce. It makes my characters more real for me because okay. they You know how sometimes you read a series and the previous couple shows up, Hey, here's our cute baby. And that's it. And then you're like, you're done. You're like, okay, I have to put them on page. For me, I get to develop that whole other person. I get to develop that baby, um, you know, and have personalities. And I could tell you things about my boys, Duncan and Claire's boys that nobody else knows but me. You know, the quiet one, the funny one, the trouble-prone one. You know, that kind of that thing. So, you know, and I'm doing the same thing in my other series, too, because I already have – I already know who's going to end up with who in my fantasy series of the children. <laughs> so... Well, and I always like that
0: you do this little bit. Yeah. I always expect that you do this kind of experimental thing, like kind of like you were saying, some are time travel, some aren't, you know, you get to see kids grow up throughout the series instead of just like a, here, here's a baby. Hey, look at us. Okay. Bye guys. We had a
1: baby. We fell in love. Here's our cute baby. Yeah. yeah. So
0: like you always kind of do a little something experimental. Um, And like you you'd mentioned different writing methods for that. And I like that you do what's best to serve the story as opposed to what kind of expected. Yeah, I think you know, I think that's admirable. And I like that because then I'm I'm always a person who likes to dive into a book and I don't Mm -hmm. necessarily want a regurgitation of the book previous. You know what I mean? Right. And right. And
1: you do have to that's a fine line. I'm glad you mentioned that because you do need, especially if you want people to so like, say if somebody walks in, like I said, all my books are standalone within the series. So say that you end up on Lexi's book, that's book two. you I still need to lay some groundwork about who her family is and who her brother is, her brother's book, the book previous, because I want you to go, oh, I need to read about him. You know, you know, that kind of thing. So, but it, you you make a good point. There are people who take it too far with the regurgitation thing. Um, it, It's a fine line. You just have to hint at it. Um, and it has to be natural, especially like like, for instance, the Liam, my current hero, he's very, very close to his cousin, Lexi. Lexi's book is the previous book. Uh, spoiler alert. She comes forward in time and author note. I will never do that again. That was really hard. Um, so um, but, um, you know, like I, he has a great affection for her. They grew up. All my kids are kind of close in age and they grew up together, except for Angus and Ian. They're the outliers because they're one of them 10 years older and the other one's 10 years younger. So my, I have a core group of uh, three boys and a girl that grew up together and got in all sorts of trouble together. Um, And it's, it's really, really misses his cousin and loves her very much. So it's kind of like, I have to put that on page because he's in a, he's kind of broody at the beginning of the book. And so that's one of the reasons he's doing what he's doing. And it's like, you I have to mention that. Because not only do I want people to be curious and pick that book up, I want, I want people to know how Liam feels about her. So, and his family, you know, my McClouds are, are a, 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 they're meddlers and they're smotherers. <laughs> Not everybody likes that, right? They Because they all love each other. So they care so much about what happens to each other. So that's where Liam's at. And he's like, I guess I got to get away from these people. <laughs> I love them, but I got to. So that's kind of, that's, you know, they always say start your book on a day that's different that's called an inciting incident. so that's what i try to do naturally sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't. you know how you read those books and you're like i don't think this book started in the right place. that mm-hmm. i never want my my books to be like that. so exactly. and as an editor i see that a lot when someone sends me a book it doesn't start in the right place.
0: Exactly, like it starts either too early or too late. And like, we're not kind of like, we should be dropped right in the action. Yeah, exactly. So
1: I can't take credit for it, but Cherry Adair, who is a famous romantic suspense author, she taught me lots of things. She says, get in the scene as late as you can, get out of the scene as early as you can. Now that's stuff that readers don't usually care about, but authors always should do that, always. And then you have your, like you said, drop. think about how movies start. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, a guy on the subway and vampires are attacking him, you know, stuff like that. It's not a normal day. Like I'm, go- I think it's the character thinks it's a normal day, but it's not really a normal day.
0: Well, and I think it's more revel- relevant m- more now than ever. And like you say, readers may not care about it, but I think subconsciously as readers, we do care about it, especially since our attention span is shortening. Very, very much through, like through TikTok and Instagram reels and uh, YouTube shorts, you know, and everything is so fast and instant gratification. I think that a lot of times I I feel like chapters are shortening whenever I read books now.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, that's also varies by genre. Um, Like I try to, it's not a conscious thing on my part, so I really can't take credit for it. It just happens. But I try for like 2,500 to 3,000 words for my chapters. Um, but you can feel when you're supposed to stop it as a writer. I feel like I can anyway. I mm-hmm. feel this is the end of this chapter. Yeah. Or you want to drop the mic so they'll keep going. That's the idea is to drop the mic so they'll keep going, right? You want them to turn the page.
0: Oh yeah. Leave that little hook at the end so that they keep turning the page. Yes. I've always, I've heard that too. And that's something that I think you've naturally probably built that up. Like you said, since like writing for so long for like most of your life, you know, and, and I think as reader as, excuse me, as writers, we will develop that as we go along, but sometimes it's kind of fun to kind of look at a writer you really enjoy and read that and kind of see like oh they did leave a hook at the end of the chapter yeah. and it kind of yeah, leads into that. the next mm-hmm. yeah you
1: want you want them like they don't ever at end a chapter on someone going to sleep because then someone's going to want to put the book down mm-hmm. so that is that's a, I believe that is a subconscious psychological thing the character yawns your reader yawns You know, that kind of thing. So unless there's a really good reason for it, like the end of an intimacy scene, a naughty bits scene, then that's different. You can end it like that, especially if you, like what I tend to do with my characters is, I don't ever have, well, except in one book, I don't ever have gratuitous sex in my books. All my characters feel something for each other by the time they're going to lay down together, even if they don't know the L word is there yet. Mm -hmm. So there are scenes like, you know, like they say that romance in general, when the intimacy comes, it has to ruin things in a way, right? Because if everything is happy-go-lucky, nobody wants to read it. It's not the end of the book. Oh So it's like those things that make up a good story, but it's like, so I do have some scenes where, and, and it's a theme in my books, I'll own it, where I love secret babies. So I have a lot of secret babies tropes. That's my favorite trope. But uh, where they they finish um, being together for the first time or the second time or whatever. And one of the characters realizes they're in love and they're in super big trouble. Oh, my God. I can't believe I love her. Oh, no. What's going to happen next? So those things, I think those. that's the only way you can get away with ending a scene with sleep. Uh, because like one character is all cuddly and snuggly and we're done now and we want to stay together and the other character is in complete emotional turmoil. <laughs> so
0: I wouldn't have it any they, other way.
1: <laughs> right. Because they just realize that they are in big trouble, mm-hmm. especially if they have an agreement with each other that, OK, I know we can't end up together. Like, for instance, what, that one of the tropes in Liam and Sienna's book is forbidden love. They literally come from different worlds. So it's like, okay, we can be together, but we both know that this is not going to be forever. Like, how can they get over the, you want your reader to think, how can they get over these insurmountable odds? You literally come from different worlds. So those are things that that are like, it's not safe for me to stay in your world. I don't want to go to your world. You know, like I, they this this book is about sacrifice on both their parts. But it's like one of those things. It's like, you want the reader to be like, oh my God, I have to keep reading this because I want to know what happens. How do they figure this out? So those are things that I think uh, you either plan it or you're lucky and it works out. <laughs> I don't know. But um, yeah, those are things that there there are. Do I don't believe in hard, fast writing rules. I think if you want to break a rule, as long as you have a valid reason for it, go for it. But there are like, don't break your own rules in your world. That's a big one. Um, and I write about magic crap. So sometimes I'm like, oh gosh, oh gosh, I'm, I'm things that I said in previous books, I wanted to change them. Right. And mm-hmm. that you can't really get away with that unless you have a really good reason. I kind of did that a little bit with magic, um, in this, in this world, but it's just, it's just one of those things that you either do it well and people love it or you don't do it well. And they call you on it and send you emails. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So, and that's something good to keep in the back of your head. If you're going to break a rule, make a, make a good reason for it. You know, don't, don't yeah. be, just cause you forgot.
1: <laughs> it's, it's really hard to get away with though. Really it is like if you laid the, because even in contemporary, we, we world build, right. Mm-hmm. People don't realize it, but we do. Mm-hmm. But if you're talking about, um, so my books take place in Scotland, but I made up the whole fae realm and how their kingdom works and they have a caste system and how they live and what their magic looks like and all that jazz. So, you I laid groundwork with each of my characters that came from that world, like how much magic they have, what they can do, what they're capable of, what they're not, how magic works in the humans on the human side. And if you break any of that, it's it's really hard to to get away with because mm-hmm. your readers will call you on it.
0: Well, and we have talked so much about your amazing uh, Highlander series, like Highland yep. Treasures. We have talked so much about this. So where can listeners find your books and how can they connect with you?
1: Okay, like I'm everywhere, except I'm not on TikTok. I haven't I haven't bit the bullet yet. Um, Facebook is where I'm at the most. Um, but uh, as far as my books, they are everywhere. Kobo, Google Play, Apple, of course, Amazon. Um, but I also sell books on my website, uh, both paperbacks. And if you buy a paperback from me on my website, you get it signed and you get it cheaper than retail. Um, so there's that. And I also sell ebooks on my website too. It's just an EPUB. And if you buy it there, you put it on your e reader, no matter what it is. Even Amazon, even Kindles read EPUBs. If you needed help with that, you can email me and I'll talk you through it. Uh, but I like when people buy them from me because there's no intermediary. So to speak, but um, I do sell them on my website, but anywhere you, you buy your books, it is available Barnes and Noble as well. But if you want the paperback, they don't, unfortunately don't have it in the store. You have to order it on the website, but it, they are, it is live everywhere and available for purchase today. So, and then I am on Instagram, Twitter, X, whatever we're calling ourselves these days. (laughs) Um, Facebook. Yeah. I'm not on Snapchat or, or or, uh, TikTok. I just haven't bitten the bullet. Although I know I should probably get on TikTok. I just haven't. I'm old. So.
0: I know. I know. Well, and I joined TikTok and it's just like, it's just doom scrolling. So even when I try to get out of the app.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I, and I will be the first to admit that I sit there and watch Facebook reels and Instagram reels. I watch a lot of tattoo videos (laughs) because I have tattoos. So, I mean, I know TikTok's the same way, but I would not mind featuring books on TikTok. I know it's a thing. I know it's on, they call it Bookstagram, so I know that's a thing, too. I just haven't bit the bullet. So, if you want to find me on social, I'm most often on Facebook, so. Thanks so much
0: to CA Zarek for joining the show. If you like this kind of content, don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. That way you're the first to hear new episodes when they drop. And if you get a chance, feel free to leave a review. It helps support the show and allows more opportunity to bring in all kinds of fantastic guests. There's also a link to the YouTube channel in the description if you'd like to see the interviews with some of the guests and see them show off their lovely books. As always, stay
1: safe, be well, and keep writing. Bye!